we start a new series called A Generous Life. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, being generous with our time, with our talent, with our treasure, all because Jesus is generous with us. Not because there's anything great about us or that that earns God's favor somehow, but all as a response to him. And even as we begin, it's kind of a cool morning. We have the opportunity, I have the opportunity to introduce you to someone from our church who's being generous with her time and with her talent this next week. Heather, you want to come up and join me? And uh, this is Heather Lechleitner, formerly Heather Lamb way back in the day, and uh, grew up in her church. And Heather is a pharmacist at CVS. Is that right? Was. No, was. That's right. Yeah. At, Sorry. I'm at Nephew Pharmacy. Okay. Yeah. But still practicing. Still doing pharmacy. Still a pharmacist. Heather, tell them a little bit about what you're up to this week. I am leaving tomorrow morning to go to, I think it's Grimoth, I think is how you say it, Haiti, um, on a medical mission trip with uh, Napanee Missionary Church. Great. And so you're heading out with another church in our area, and you're going to go. Tell, tell us a little about what you're going to do when you're there. I, they told us to um, plan nothing because if you plan it, it won't happen. So um, it's a group of, um, there's mainly nurses, um, there's some EMTs, um, there's three pharmacists going, and there's also um, Dr. Topping is in Napanee. His, um, he has a team. He and another dentist are going, so we're taking um, a dentist team also along. So we um, are working in a clinic. Um, it's called Mountaintop Ministries, Mountaintop clinic, I believe. Um, it's in a very safe and nice area. They said you almost feel like you're not on a mission trip. But um, we work in a clinic from 8 to 4, um, Tuesday through Saturday. And then we'll go to church um, at a Haitian church on Sunday. Cool. So and Monday and Monday are our travel days. Okay, great. Yep. So um, how can we pray for you as you head out? How can we pray for Fred <laughs> as you head out? Fred and the kids at home. Um, <laughs> I don't like to fly real well. So me... Flying. Well, I have flown with Fred to the Dominican, which was a little bit different on our honeymoon. So to me, flying by myself, I, I'm yeah. familiar with some of the people going, but, um, and leaving the kids and him is a big, uh, big step for me. So, yeah. but I felt called to do it. And if God wants me to do it, he's going to lead me through it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just going to tell you, I was really encouraged when I heard about it. And, uh, it is, it's, it's you using your time. You're giving up talent, all that God gave you to serve him. And it's being generous. So thank you. Thank you. And uh, can we pray for you? Let's pray. Let's pray for Heather. Um, Father, I thank you for Jesus. And I thank you for Heather and her life, Lord, and her family, um, being a part of our church for for decades. And uh, Lord, as she heads out this week, I pray you'd calm her heart, um, keep her safe as she travels. And Jesus, would you work uh, through her in such a way that people would tangibly know your goodness and your grace? And in return, would you... uh, uh, work in Heather's heart in such a way, Jesus, that she would understand your grace even more. Uh, be with Fred and the kids while she's away. Keep them safe as well. And uh, Lord, might it be a really fruitful trip, uh, both for the people in Haiti and for the team who's going. Thanks for this opportunity. It's really cool. Uh, we love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you. Well, we'll maybe we can get a report when you come back. All right. So if you want to know more about that, maybe you can grab Heather after the service, and uh, she'll be back in a few weeks, and you can ask Fred next week how it's going. And uh, no, really, though, seriously, be in prayer for them, because um, that is, it's, the enemy doesn't want these things to happen, right? 
So we need to, to, to cover them in prayer. Well, this morning, now let me start with this. Paul writes this to a church in a city called Corinth. He says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor. So that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Isn't that great truth? That Jesus, the God of the universe, the creator and owner of all things, divested himself of all of it, put on flesh, came to this earth, and lived the life that I can never live for more than maybe a second, if that, because of my sin. He lived it perfectly. And then he died on the cross in my place. He paid my penalty. And there was this big exchange where he took all of my poverty, all of my wretchedness, all of my sin. And it was crucified with him on the cross. And he said, if you would simply trust me, this is my gift to you. Let me take that from you. And why don't you take my righteousness and, and all of who I am as an inheritance. In my poverty, you're going to become rich, Jesus says. That's the gospel. It's exchanging uh, our sin for his Purity. It's exchanging our poverty for his wealth. Now, when we talk about that in terms of wealth, uh, we think right away uh, um, financial wealth, don't we? At least I do, just because of that term in, in culture, I'm saying. Uh, but, but in terms of scripture, that's not what he's talking about. It might include financial wealth, but really it includes the wealth of grace, the wealth of, of knowing the Lord, the wealth of eternal life. That's a great thing. Well, today we start a five-week series called A Generous Life. A Generous Life. And some of you are very anxious today. Be honest. Some of you are kind of anxious because you, you heard about this coming and you said the pastor is going to talk about giving. He's going to talk about, uh, that means he's probably going to talk about money. And not just about money, but my money. I don't know that I want to hear this. And be honest, you came and you were a little anxious today. I'm a little anxious to talk about it, if I'm honest. Maybe you're even beyond anxious. Maybe you're even a little grumpy about it this morning. Because, you know, when people hear the pastor talk about money, you know what they think? They think, great, here we go. He just, he's like those guys on TV. He just wants my money. I hope you know me well enough to know that's not true. But um, before we even get into this series, let's just clear the air, Okay. Let's uh, get on the same page here and make sure uh, you know my heart and where we're headed, okay? So this is all just kind of introductory before we even go into this over the next five weeks. You with me? If you're with me, say yes. Okay, good. You're awake. That's good. You hear me? I do not want your money. Can we say it again? Want to put your phone out and video it? I do not want your money. I don't. I do not. Our church does not want your money. That's a bold statement for me to make, isn't it? As the pastor who gets paid by the church, our church does not want your money. In fact, I would say God does not want your money. Jesus does not want your money. Just get that out right at the beginning. He doesn't. You know what he wants? He wants your heart. He doesn't want your funds. He doesn't want your checkbook. He doesn't want your bank account. He wants your heart. That's what he wants. And when we talk about a generous life, that's where we're headed. See, uh, now in talking about giving Jesus your heart, it necessarily includes money. 
and possessions and time and talent. Why? Well, Jesus is the creator of everything, Colossians 1 tells us, right? That, that through him and by him and for him, all things were created. That's the Apostle Paul writing that. That's scripture. That's truth. And he knows that uh, what we do, since he's our creator, he designed us, he knows that what Josh does with his money reveals Josh's heart. And what Josh does with his time reveals Josh's heart. And what Josh does with his treasure and his talent and his entire life reveals Josh's heart. And so necessarily, he says, wherever your treasure is, because he knows, he designed us, he knows how we work. There the desires of your heart will also be. So the reason we talk about these things isn't because God wants your money, isn't because I want your money or the church wants your money or any of that stuff. It's because Jesus wants your heart. And we talk about these things because they're symptomatic of where our heart is. Like when you go to the doctor and you're like, I got this mole and I don't know what to do about it. It's, it's frightening and it hurts. And he looks at it and it's a symptom. And then what's he have to do? He diagnoses what the root problem is. Maybe it's something deeper. Maybe it's something scary. I don't know. Well, when we talk about money, we're talking about it, it's, it's a diagnosis of the symptom. Uh, the root problem is our heart. Where's your heart? That's where we're headed. Uh, see, Jesus talks. This, this is why he talks more about money and possessions than any other topic other than the kingdom of God in the Gospels. Did you know that? Let me say that again. More than any other topic except the kingdom of God... Number two on the list that Jesus talks about the most in the Gospels is our money and our possessions. More than love, he talks about my checkbook. More than obedience, he talks about my bank account. More than sin, he talks about all that I have. More than purity, he talks about uh, my talents and how I use my time. More than heaven, more than hell, he talks about this topic. 16 of his 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. So if, if, if you're getting uneasy, well, it's, Jesus talks about it a lot. In the Gospels, and amazing, hear this. Did you know one out of every 10 verses, there's 288 of them. One out of every 10, 288 out of, out of almost 3,000 verses in the Gospels uh, deal directly with the subject of money. 10%. That's incredible. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer. 500 verses approximately on faith. How many does it offer on our wealth and our possessions? Do you know? Four times that. 2,000. Over 2,000. The Bible talks a lot about this. God talks a lot about this. And so now you're not the only one uneasy. I am too because it's a word to me. And not just you, and I have to deliver it. But why? Why does he talk about it? Again, he wants your heart. He wants my heart. So let's just get that off the table. When we go into this series, we're not talking about uh, Josh wanting your money, or the church wanting your money, or God wanting, we're talking about Jesus wanting your heart. Amen? Now, some of you, you're still not convinced. Because you were here last Sunday, and you know that we launched a uh, a four-month journey, 100 days of uh, seeking the Lord about a building project and a, and a potential expansion and renovation. And you can see all those plans out there. They've been out there for a while. We've been talking about it for a while, and we're going to talk about it a lot for the next few months, and then we're going to be done and move on to something else, right? But no, we're going to talk about it a lot. 
So when you know that, and then you see, oh, he's talking about, oh boy, I know what's going on. He's hiding behind the Bible to get our money. That's what he's doing. I understand why it might seem that way. And yeah, we're going to talk about it because here's the deal. The year before, I told all of our leaders on Wednesday night, we had a dessert for, for all of our ministry leaders across our church. And I told them this, I said, the year before Charlie was born, he's a year old now, I spent a lot of time after I knew Hannah was pregnant reading uh, books about parenting or uh, studying scripture about what the Bible says about being a dad and uh, what it says not to do about being a dad. Why did I do that? Because I knew, uh, barring some catastrophic event, I was going to become a father in less than nine months. (laughs) And I better be prepared. I wanted to be ready. And when I was a youth pastor, sometimes we would do different outreach events and things like that. And so before sharing our faith, having our students go out and share their faith, what we would do is we would teach on evangelism and we would study evangelism. Why? So that they'd be prepared to know how to share the gospel. So think about it with me. If the Lord is leading here and we're seeking the Lord in prayer and finding out if he is indeed leading us to a building project, that's going to require some giving, isn't it? So what should we do? We should be prepared. And so it's a good topic for us to study in preparation. And it's a good topic to study, not just in terms of, of finances, but in general. Now, so in case you still, um, still don't believe me, uh, you think I'm just after your money or the church is after your money, uh, you need to know I'm concerned with your heart. So let me just say this, and I'll put it up here very clearly. I do not want you to give. If you do not want to give, do not give. Did you hear that? You can tell them that when you answer. Do not give. Do you have your phone with you? Because here's what's going to happen. We're going to study generosity. And what happens is we get tense because where our treasure is reveals our heart. And so when we talk about those things, and we're going to talk about it in our 110 groups for the next five weeks, and what's inevitably going to happen is some of us, we're going to get a little bent out of shape. We're going to get a little grumpy. We're going to get a little anxious because uh, it's peeling away. It's revealing my heart. And, and I'm going to, you know, there might even be some complaints about, I don't, I don't want to give. I, I just don't, why do we, why do, what, are they saying I haven't given? I've given a lot. My whole life I've given to this church. And I know, thank you. We're grateful for that. Thank you. But here's what I want you to do. Do you got your phone? Do you got your phone? Pull it out if you got your cell phone. You got it? Okay, now turn it on. Open up to your camera app. You got it? I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not joking. Pull it out. Turn on your camera. Turn on your camera. Take a picture of this slide with me standing here. And when this comes up in your, in your group and somebody inevitably gets frustrated, just go, just listen to them, be their friend, and then very kindly say, and maybe you missed it, but Josh said this on Sunday, and I think he means it. And I do. And you need to know that's a scary thing for me to say, isn't it? I'm the pastor. I'm telling, you, I'm telling you whether it's this project or just giving to the church in general. If you do not want to give, do not give. Do not. You're going to see the example of Cain when he gives, I think, reluctantly in Genesis. And uh, bad things happen. Don't give if you don't want to. Please. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. We're going to look at this text this morning. But in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, 
the Lord says this, Paul says, uh, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. And some of, you know, my wife may be squirming right now going, Josh, why are you telling them all not to give? That's how we eat. (laughs) You know what? Because my trust isn't in you. It's in the Lord to provide through you. And so if I love you, and if your heart is not engaged to give, I'm not asking you not to give. I'm telling you, do not give. Was that clear? All right. Now we're going to dive into the text. And if I got you riled up and I got you upset, that wasn't my intent. I just want to be very clear on this, that that we know where we're headed here. We're talking about our hearts, uh, not our stuff, but our stuff reveals our hearts. So um, let me pray. Lord, I thank you for the Lord Jesus, and I thank you that uh, he gave incredibly to me. As Paul writes it, his inexpressible gift, his gift that that cannot be quantified with words. He, He gave everything for me. By his becoming poor, I became rich. Jesus, help me to live a generous life in return. Help our church to live a generous life in return with our time, our talent, our treasure. And Lord, we thank you for all the ways you've blessed us at all times with more than we need. So help us live generously, to share joyfully, and to look expectantly toward the future. We love you. Pray against the enemy. And uh, look for you, Holy Spirit, to work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's where we're headed this morning. Uh, We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and open up there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to read from verses 6 through 8. And I may... Uh, depending on our time here, I may dive into a few other passages in that text, but if not, in your 110 group, you will this week. By the way, if you're not connected in a 110 group and you're interested in one, um, please let, let us know on your Connect card. You can test drive a group for the next five weeks and study this with us. And if you've filled out some things and you've put it in and nobody's contacted you, will you please come find me after the service? I'll hang out right here. And I want you to get connected. So I personally will figure out a way to get you connected if you haven't heard from anyone yet. Okay? Come find me. Um, So let's read together. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. He writes to him and he says, The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. He says in verse 7, Then each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, what's happening here is Paul's writing to the church ahead of time. He's saying, hey, I'm I'm coming in a few months. There's some of us coming in a few months, and we're going to be asking you to give. We're going to be asking you to give a gift. This happens multiple times in the Bible. In this case, it's, it's a gift for uh, the people uh, who are struggling and poor and, and impoverished, and they, they need money to, to live. Other times, uh, God sends people to tell people, prepare, like Moses in the wilderness, tell the people, prepare to give, and it's going towards a, a, a project of some sort, in that case, the tabernacle. It happens again in Haggai when they rebuild the temple. It happens um, in other places where Paul tells people to give uh, to their leaders who, who, are, who are preaching the gospel. There's all kinds of examples of Paul telling people to give. And 
and others in Scripture telling people to give. And often it's ahead of time so that people can prepare. That's why he's saying each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So decide ahead of time. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now, it just occurred to me, some of you may be visiting last week and this week, and you showed up and all your worst fears ever were confirmed today when the pastor got up and started talking about giving and money. You need to know we, we don't want you to give. I'm not asking you to give. The Lord does want your heart. Repent, turn to him. But even while you're here, if you're a guest, if you stop at the Connect desk when you leave, we would love to give a gift to you. Okay? So stop there, fill out a card. They'll actually give you a gift. It's a little tumbler, and you can keep your drinks cold and your hot stuff hot. And it's just our way to say we love you. Well, let's go back and unpack this passage. The first thing I want us to see about giving, and that we'll talk about in our 110 group, is that giving and receiving go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. See, you probably saw the video as you came in, maybe out there, or even on the screen right before the message this morning. And you saw people with their hands uh, clasped tight up against their chest. Did you see that? And, and the, the journey of being generous with my time, talent, and treasure is like this. It starts with me. Uh, I've got some stuff. I've got it. I've got, I've got uh, 168 hours every week. I've got uh, different talents that the Lord has given me, different gifts. I've got uh, different income. Uh, I've got resources. I've got all this stuff. And in my sin, you know what I do? I squeeze it as tight as I can. Because I don't want you to have it. I don't want to lose it. And the journey of generosity goes like this. It goes from holding it tightly uh, to slowly, as the Lord works on, where? What is it? What's he after? My what? My heart. I, I slowly release it. And I have it like this. And if I complete the journey and I become extravagant in my generosity, I go like this. And I turn my hands upside down and just drop it. I'd say, it's all yours. It's a good illustration, isn't it? Where are you at on that journey? Where, where are you at in your time, talent, treasure? Maybe each one is different. Um, are, you, are you like this? Maybe the Lord would move you to here over the next five weeks. Maybe if you're here, he would move you to this spot. Maybe if you're right here, by God's grace, he would, he would move you to here. And maybe you're here and you give really generously of your time, talent, treasure. And he would move you to just extravagant giving. See, everything we give, the reason I say it's related to our receiving is because everything I give, I've already received. Everything I give, I've, I've already received. I can only give what I already have received. Like, what do you mean, Joshua? James says that every good and perfect gift, everything good I have in my life, my, my spouse, my wife, my, my son, my, my home, my job, um, my health, every good thing I have comes from above. It's a gift that he gave me. It's his and he gave me to steward it. And so I really don't have anything of my own. That's what the Bible would teach. Nothing is really mine. So all I'm doing is um, God's like, hey, 
what do you got there? I'm like, my stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, the stuff I gave you? <laughs> it's his, isn't it? And when I grow in that understanding and Jesus has my heart, I begin to unfurl my fingers and let it go. The Lord is not after your money. He's after your heart. And how you hold on to your stuff, your time, talent, treasure reveals your heart. It reveals my heart. How I respond to being challenged by it reveals my heart. See, it's... um, I like this word uh, that uh, John MacArthur writes in one of his sermons on this passage. He says, you see, it's the lack of generosity that impoverishes Christians. See, a lot of times we hold on to our stuff because I just, I don't know what's coming. Now the Bible says, be prepared, you know, save, do well, be a good steward. That means to save, that means to invest, that means to plan. It's, it's not foolishness. But if I hold on to it so tight that my hope is here instead of in Jesus... He writes, he says this, he says, it's the lack of generosity that impoverishes Christians to give according to verse six. See, look, he says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. It's like sowing seed. Paul is motivating the Corinthians here to give. He's motivating them to give every week over a long period of time to accumulate a huge sum to take to the poor saints or the poor believers in Jerusalem who don't have enough for the basic necessities of life. Other times, Moses tells them to give generously to the tabernacle. David uh, invites them to give generously to the temple. There, there's all kinds of different reasons to give and things to give towards. But the idea is, does Jesus have your heart? See, he says, whoever, Paul writes, whoever uh, sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He's writing to an agrarian culture. You ever, uh, my dad was a farmer until I was probably in kindergarten or so. Early 80s, farming crisis, went bankrupt, and he got out of farming. Still lived on the farm for a little while, but I can remember riding around in the combine and in the tractor and the planter when I was a little boy. And, um, you know, one of the things that was clear was that the more seed you plant, the more crops you have the opportunity to harvest later. If I only plant one field, um, I can't go harvest five fields because I've only planted in one field. And, and when they would sow their seed in this day, it was just throw it out on the ground. And the, the, you, you throw it liberally and generously. Now, if, if I was being a miser, and I, I, don't, I don't know if I have enough, so I'm just going to put one here. I'll put one here. I'll put one here. That might be a little too close together. Let me pick it up and move it right here. I'm going to put one here. You know what? My harvest at the end of that season is going to be much less than if I just sowed generously, isn't it? I mean, is that true? I mean, cause and effect. If you don't sow a seed, you can't reap a harvest. And Paul's saying, listen, the, the more you sow, isn't it, isn't it interesting that he's motivating us by reward? <laughs> he's motivating us by reward. That, that the Lord says, listen, if you're faithful with a little, you're going to be given much to be faithful with in the end. And, and if you spare so sparingly, you're not going to have much in the end. But if you sow generously, if you go, there's going to be a lot to harvest in the end. There is. I'll be honest with you. This is what motivates me to be in ministry. Uh, the Lord gave me a lot of talent in a lot of different areas. I know that. Um, in the arts and music and whatever else. And I don't say that to brag, but I say it to say I, I recognized when I was young, praise the Lord, that, 
the best way I could use all those gifts was if I was going to go into ministry. Now, that may be the case for you. It may not be the case for you. Wherever God sent you, great. Just, just be generous with what you have. That was, just, that was his call in my life. I'm not saying that's for everybody. But I did that because I'm motivated by things like this, that Jesus says, if, if, if I so generously and I just give it all up, even though there's times, I'll be honest with you, like when I have to preach on giving, I would rather have a different job. If you could see my heart, you'd know how anxious I am. But I know that as I give it all, he even says, whoever leaves his father, his mother, his everything, it will be returned to him a hundredfold, Jesus says. I'm trusting in that, especially on the hard days. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. What are you sowing? And what you, see, even, and it's, this is why giving is related to receiving, because it's so much easier to sow generously when I recognize it's not mine to begin with. I'm not even sowing my own seed. <laughs> Jesus had it delivered to me and I just throw it in the planter and here I go. It's not mine to begin with. It's so much easier to let go when I know that. Have you figured that out? Maybe that's the first step for you on this journey, understanding it's not yours. Jesus came to give us life and to give it in the fullest measure so that we could give it away in the fullest measure, just like he did. Let's move on to verse 7. When we look at verse 7, here's what I want you to see, that all giving is heart-motivated, all giving. Whether that's giving uh, in a good way or in a bad way, whether that's giving to the church or giving to my kids or giving uh, to uh, uh, Habitat or whatever organization I give to, all giving, all, is heart motivated. It's heart motivated. See, here's what he says. He says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. That's why I told you right away. I don't want you to feel compulsed to give. I don't want you to feel pressured to give. If you don't want to give, do not give. Please don't. Please don't. As you've decided in your heart, because God loves a cheerful giver. Let's, let's just think about this for a second. I had the opportunity for the first time, and again, I know maybe you're tired of hearing me talk about Charlie, but until he's old enough to know I'm talking about him, I can keep talking about him. So <laughs> then I probably won't talk about him as much. But this is the first year that we could, uh, we could buy gifts for him at Christmas. Some of you have experienced this as a, as a parent in the past. Like, when you buy a gift for your kids, why do you do that? It's motivated by your heart. You're like, I, I love it. I just love to see what they're going to do with it. I, I love to give. It's joyful, isn't it? On Christmas morning, when they're opening those gifts, are you a reluctant giver? Are you begrudging? I can't believe I had to buy that for him. I'm telling you, I didn't sit there when he opened up his little dump truck that he pushes around and goes, you know, and pushes around the carpet. I didn't, when he opened it, I didn't sit there and go, I can't believe I had to spend twelve ninety nine on that truck for this kid. No, I was like, he loves it. I just, I couldn't wait for him to open it. I helped him open it. Couldn't wait for him to get it out and drive it around. And it's, it's just cheerful giving. God loves a cheerful giver. I had decided in my heart ahead of time, I, this is what I want to give him. I gave him some other things. And I didn't give it reluctantly. I would, I would have spent a lot more than twelve ninety nine on a little dump truck for him. 
See, here's what, what, so what makes a giver cheerful? Well, Paul identifies it right here in the text. Look at, first off, he's decided in his heart to give. Giving cheerfully requires planning, doesn't it? Now, that's not to say you don't give spontaneously sometimes, because we do. But if I haven't been good with uh, managing my resources to begin with and planning and budgeting and all those sorts of things, then it's harder to give spontaneously because I don't even, oh, I'm just, I'm nervous. I don't know if I can give. But when I plan, even if, even an opportunity to give spontaneously, my planning and being good, a uh, good steward of my stuff allows me to give spontaneously and it's all planned. I've decided in my heart what to give. I've decided I have this much left over and I can't wait to give it. You know what makes you cheerful is when you decide to give. That's why we're talking about this now, but we're not going to ask you to consider giving. We're not going to make you give. If you don't want to give, what was, the, what was the word? Do not what? Do not give. That's why we're talking about it now, so you have time to decide and think about it and pray about it. But don't decide before you pray. That's presuming upon the Lord. What if he wants you to give? What if he wants to give you more so you can give more? See... Cheerful giving requires planning. A great example of this is right away in the Bible. You got your Bible? Turn to Genesis chapter 4 with me. You'll know this story. Uh, The first two brothers. Do you know their names? Cain and Abel. And again, this is after Eve had given birth to Cain. And again, verse 2, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Moses is writing this. He says, Abel was a keeper of sheep. He's a shepherd. Cain was a worker of the ground. Cain was a farmer. Both of those professions are noble and good. Whatever it is the Lord's given you to do, do it with all your might as unto the Lord, right? Nothing, neither one is better than the other. Well, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Over time, Cain uh, had a harvest. And literally, this is written very casually to where uh, Cain just went and he just grabbed some grain out of the field and he brought it and gave it to the Lord. There wasn't maybe a whole lot of thought to it. There wasn't a whole lot of planning to it. It was just, I got this, I'm going to rip it out and I'm going to take this and give it to the Lord. Like, in a sense, the way Moses writes this, that's, that's kind of what he's getting across. But look at his brother, verse 4. Abel also brought, but look, look, look at how he describes his gift. It wasn't just an offering, it was... He brought of the firstborn of his flock. The first thing he received from his flock he gave to the Lord. It was a priority for him. He had planned ahead. And not just this, but Abel's pretty generous. Because he didn't just give the firstborn, he also gave of their fat portions. What Moses is saying is here, he, Abel planned ahead and he gave a generous gift. He gave from his first fruits. Cain just kind of went, Oh, okay, I guess I'll throw in this much. That's, that's what's happening. Now look at God's response in verse 5. For Cain and his offering, he had no regard. At the end of verse 4, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. He accepted it. But for Cain, verse 5, and his offering, he had no regard. Now, does it say that the Lord rejected Cain? Yes or no? No, it says he rejected his offering. The Lord still loved Cain. He loved him very much. He was after his heart, just like he's after my heart. But Cain, like me, when somebody comes after me about my possessions and my time and my talent and am I using it, 
got kind of irritated. I can't believe he's talking to me about this. What did Cain do? Look, it says, hey, Cain was very angry and his face fell. I'm not giving enough. When's it enough? Why are you so upset? His face, so he got angry. Now, Moses doesn't tell us exactly why Cain's offering was rejected. We can kind of surmise based on what he writes about Abel's offering, but we don't know 100%. And really, I think that's because Moses' intention in writing this isn't so much to say that uh, here's why Cain's offering wasn't any good. He was, he was looking at Cain's heart. And he's focusing us as we keep reading on Cain's response. Cain's response to the Lord saying, that's, I think you can do more, Cain. I want more of you. I want more of your heart. Wasn't repentance and saying, okay, Lord, uh, help me do more. Help me be more obedient in whatever area of my life. Instead, he got angry, didn't he? And he turned from him. How do you respond to the Lord's discipline in your life? Is it, is it humbly with, Lord, change me? Or is it begrudgingly, your face gets angry and you, your face falls? This topic causes all of us in some way, shape, or form, if we're honest, and if I'm honest, I can't speak for you, if I'm honest for me, it causes me to get uneasy, even angry in my heart. It may not show my face, but depending on what I'm holding on to. (laughs) See, God doesn't condemn Cain, but he goes to Cain even. Look, look at his love for him in verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, "Why why are you angry? I didn't reject you, is essentially what he's saying. I, I want you to grow in your generosity. I want you to grow in your heart for me. I want, I want you to give. I want your heart. Why, why did you, why are you angry? Why is your face falling? I think the Lord's response makes it clear he wasn't condemning Cain. He goes on, he says, if you do well, won't you be accepted? In other words, what he's saying to Cain here is if, if you choose to obey don't you know you choose blessing? You can't outgive me if, if you if if you give me your heart, all things are yours. If you don't do well, I mean sin is crouching at the door, Cain, and its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Be careful, he says, because if you don't choose to obey, but you choose to sin, you are choosing to suffer. This is your choice. And sin is crouching at the door, so make wise choices. It's waiting to pounce on you. Guard your heart. I want your heart. It's your choice. It's funny to me, even in Genesis right away, how we respond to challenges to give. We get defensive. We get irritated. But it proves the point that Jesus said, wherever my heart is, that's where my treasure is. Friends, all giving is heart-motivated. And cheerful givers decide ahead of time to give. So make a plan. Make a plan. Pray about it. It's not your stuff to begin with. It's not mine. I need to pray. And if you don't want to, do not give. Don't. Because you'll be miserable. I want you to have joy. Do you believe that? I want you to have joy. 
Here's what else makes a, a giver cheerful. It's also in verse 7 of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He, not only does he decide ahead of time what to give from their heart, but, but a, a cheerful giver, he or she does not give reluctantly or under compulsion. If you don't want to give, don't give. But again, just don't, don't make that decision apart from the Lord. I wonder if part of Cain's problem in that gift is he never sought the Lord first before he gave. He just went and he said, here's what I have. Okay, I'll grab this and I'm going to give this. And then he got angry when the Lord didn't accept it. I wonder, we don't know. I just wonder. I wonder, did, did Abel spend time in prayer first, deciding in his heart what to give? It could be the case, couldn't it? We don't know, but it's a thought. See, join us in prayer. This is the model, by the way. Every time that God invites us to give of our time, talent, treasure, he invites us to do it willingly. He loves a cheerful giver. We'll talk about this passage in April, but look, uh, I'll just throw these on the screen. In Exodus, when they're building the tabernacle, I've mentioned it a few times. uh, God, through Aaron and Moses, he says, "Tell, tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings and accept the contributions from all whose hearts are what? Move to offering, to offer them. So what does that say? Take the gifts from those who what? Want to. And if they don't want to, okay. God loves a cheerful giver, a willing giver. Chapter 35, verse 5, take a sacred offering for the Lord. Let those with generous hearts Present the following gifts to the Lord. If their heart's not generous, they don't want to give. It's okay. Don't make them give. Verse 21 of chapter 35. All whose hearts were stirred. Look who does give then. It doesn't say everyone gave. It says everyone whose heart was stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of his rituals, and for the sacred garments, to to build the tabernacle and to provide for ministry to be accomplished. It's whoever the Lord's heart moved. I don't know whose heart he's going to move. If he's not moving your heart to give, do not give. I say that with confidence because that's what his word says. That's what he says. And I love you, and I want you to obey his word. Let's keep going. Uh, verse 8. Generous giving. and we, uh, Over the next few weeks, you'll see more examples of that in the Bible where, where God accepts gifts from those who want to give. Make a choice. Pray about it, and then make a choice. Here's the third thing I want you to see this morning as we kind of launch this, this generosity journey. Generous giving is the path to blessing. See, that's what Paul says. He says, um, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. How much grace? All. So how much is left out? (laughs) None. He's able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things. How much sufficiency? I know you're going to get irritated with me. How much is left out? None. In how many things? Only some things? All things, right? What does all things include? All things includes the grace to be saved. All things includes uh, the the clothes on my body. All things includes uh, all of my talents, all of my time, all of my treasure. 
the Lord is able to, to bountifully supply more to me because he owns it all. And it's his to begin with. So that you may abound in every good work. Friends, as I've discovered, and I, I'm on, I, I, I need to give more of my time, talent, treasure. I need to grow in this. I don't have it figured out. I'm still as selfish as any of us. But I'm telling you, in the moments where I've found victory and have been able to unclench my hands, I've never had more joy. I've never been able to give more. And I've never seen the Lord provide more. Maybe over the next few weeks, I'll even give you some specifics of that. But it's true. It's been true in my life. And I can show you the evidence of it. Will you join us on that journey? The Lord wants your heart. See, as, as we move forward, um, two things. There's a generosity prayer on the bottom of all your notes. And we'll pray this. I would encourage you that maybe you would learn to pray this from your heart. It's, it's good, isn't it? I thank God who has blessed me in all ways. We just read it in case you, weren't, you don't believe that. It was in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He's able to make all grace abound to me who has blessed me in all ways at all times with more than I need. Lord, lead me to live generously, to share joyfully, you might even add, of my time, talent, and treasure, and to look expectantly toward my future, the Lord's future-oriented. And if you turn over on the back, um, there, there's a few things on the back here. I don't, you ever notice this prayer guide? Do you use it? I hope you do. We're going to be focusing a lot on prayer over the next few months. Uh, beginning next Sunday, even, we're going to have a prayer gathering that night. I told you, 6 o'clock. But there's things to pray for. But then also, I added this on the bottom this week. Because we're going to be looking at these over the next few weeks. Uh, different givers and their biblical heroes. People in the Bible that are that type of a giver. The first, there's, there's a beginning giver. Maybe this is you. Maybe this is you. This, this, was, this was me at one point. Um, I'm beginning my giving journey. You know, my journey of beginning to give was actually uh, something just like this at my church in Iowa when I was in college. And I began to give, uh, it, it, was, it was a huge gift. Are you ready for it? For a college student, I gave 10 bucks a month toward it. I had never really given before in my life. And I was scared to do that. Because one, at that point, I was the worst person in the world with money. I just got it and then I'm like, ooh, how can I spend it? Or how do I pay for what I already bought? <laughs> um, and it was, a, it, I mean, that sounds like a big deal. It was a challenge for me. But it was the first step. Are, are you, maybe you're a beginning giver, just beginning to give. Zacchaeus was one of those. The boy with his fishes and loaves we saw last week is, is a beginning giver. The next step up after that is a consistent giver. I'm, I'm giving at least once a month. We see Cornelius and Mary doing this. The tithing giver. I'm giving my first fruits, like Abel, 10% of my income. That was considered a first fruit offering. And then there was more offerings on top of that that people often gave in the Old Testament. Uh, biblical heroes were Abraham and Jacob. They did this. Then, then maybe you grow, the Lord gets more of your heart, and you become an expanding giver. I'm giving beyond my tithe to the vision of my church and needs I encounter. Loved ones, there are many of you in this category in our church, and I, I praise the Lord for you. And in talking about these things, hear me. 
I'm not saying that you don't give or that you haven't given. I'm not saying you haven't given enough. No one is saying that. I'm saying thank you. Thank you. And may the Lord work in my heart to get me there too. The next piece, the extravagant giver. I'm living a radically generous life with all of my resources. And you see that with Barnabas and with the widow. It goes from here to here. And I turn my hands upside down and I just let it go. We're going to look at each of those over the coming five weeks. And uh, let me say this as we close. Uh, My heart for you is that you begin to recognize, if you haven't already, that all things are the Lord's. And that you keep your eyes out for the ways that, that he gives you more talent, more time, more treasure, in whatever way. And then when you, when you, here's the thing. When you start studying these things, here's a curious thing that happens is God gives, God will test us. He'll test me. He'll test you. I'll say, here's a little more. I wonder what he's going to do with that. Will you be like a sponge or like a hose? You know what a sponge is? Sponge, you put the water on it from the hose and it just soaks it all up and a little bit drips out. What's a hose do? You just point it and you, you, just, you just funnel the water, channel it wherever it's going to go. I, I want my life to be more like a hose. And just the, the Lord would, would give through me, not sticky hands. Pray that for me, would you? Let's be obedient together. Um, let me pray. And we're going to give. <laughs> and uh, if you're a guest, again, we don't want you to give. Um, we'll sing together and we'll call it a morning. And let me pray. Father, thanks for Jesus, uh, who is uh, the greatest giver of all time and one whom we can never outgive because he's given us everything. Father, I pray for, for each of us here this morning, including me. Help us to recognize that the giving and receiving go hand in hand, that everything I have to give is ultimately from you to begin with. Help me to give cheerfully, recognizing that... Um, all giving is from my heart. So, so Jesus, get my heart, please. And then finally, Lord, uh, help me give in such a way, grow along that path that um, I would be found faithful for you to uh, give even more through me. Pray for those who are here, Lord. I pray that they might, uh, if they've never trusted you, that they might uh, receive your good gift in Jesus Christ and become a Christian. And then for all of us, might you help us to take the next step on this journey of of giving you our heart. And might it be shown in how we give of our time, talent, treasure. Lord, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. We pray all of this through him. Amen.